Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Newsbreak, Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. If there is life on Mars, we may know it very soon. Viking 1 is now orbiting the red planet, taking pictures. And while we're celebrating our bicentennial day on the 4th of July, if all goes well, the Viking 1 lander will make a landing on Mars and begin getting some answers. Considering the subject matter, we're being pretty blasé about our mission to Mars. We didn't always take the subject of life there so lightly. More after this. Mercy six is rubber duck gonna be late unless one of you cowboys can help me. Well, I was heading for a gig in my four-wheel rig, but I was running late getting down. Because with all of them folks on the boulevard, we weren't never gonna get across town. But when you got your Midland CB rig, well, you got about a million friends. And you don't have to be no cotton picker just to sit in a sweat in your hands. Join takes a lot to shake us up these days. Possibly while we're watching a parade or something on the 4th of July, our Mars lander, Viking 1, will be taking pictures of Martians marching by. It has to march slowly. The camera, it scans a line at a time, and it takes quite a while to make a single picture. So if they're creatures and they stand still for maybe five minutes, <laughs> then we could see them. But if they move around, they'll end up as sort of a blur. Dr. Al Hibbs, the voice of Viking Mission Control in Pasadena. And what might Martian creatures look like? Dr. Carl Sagan can probably answer that question if anyone can. But he'll say that they won't look much like you and me. The one thing which seems most likely is that organisms on our planet will not closely resemble anything we know here. We will not find anybody that looks like us. There are very few scientists who think it's likely. But it's even possible that there are large organisms that walk around the planet and uh, are of some level of intelligence. There's nothing we know to exclude that. Ever since science began to speculate about the possibility of life on Mars, science fiction has pictured Martians as monsters. And one night, October 30th, 1938, it was, Orson Welles scared everybody half to death with a radio drama about an invasion of Earth by Martians. And his Martian was an ugly fellow, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. It's eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is a kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a message. At least 40 people lie dead in a field east of the village of Grover's Mill. Their bodies burned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. Wells' broadcast did not tell much about Martian nature, but it showed a great deal about human nature. People actually ran into the streets, really believing it was a Martian invasion. At Grover's Mill, New Jersey, there are still some people who remember how the town reacted when in the plague, Grover's Mill was the Martian landing site. Fear. Fear had a lot to do with it. How long you were going to live after that, God only knew. Quite a few of them had taken off for the hills of Pennsylvania. And their car took their loved ones, their pets, left their doors, windows wide open, lights on and everything, and took off and went. And they felt like damn fools when they come back. <laughs> and now here we are, less than 40 years later, about to land on Mars. And what would it do if we were to find out that there is life there? Dr. Carl Sagan. It would, uh, in the minds of many people, make life a kind of cosmic commonplace. And would uh, greatly enhance the idea that there are not just innumerable worlds with living things on them, with innumerable worlds, with technical civilizations with whom we might communicate. Well, we still do not know what Martians look like, but we may find out soon. However, we do know one thing. We do know that our Viking lander is a weird-looking fellow, with its camera eyes to take pictures and send them back to Earth, with its ten-foot-long arm to dig and scoop in the ground to see if there are any microorganisms there. No question about it. If anything up there sees it, it may get to thinking... It's one of us, and that we Earthlings are a bit on the ugly side ourselves. Now this message. 
Hi, America. Hello. Looking for the heart of a great meal? Are we? Then look for Mrs. Paul's Fish Fillets. Good food that goes with... Macaroni? Mmm, makes a good balance. What makes Mrs. Paul's Fish Fillets taste so good? We thought of you. Aw. And made them just like you would. Oh? Yep, we start with mild white fish, dip it in the crispiest of breadcrumbs. We even include our creative sauce mix. That's great. Um, Mrs. Paul? Yes? You are the greatest... Well, we've eaten at many other IHOPs, but really, when it comes to breakfast, and I'll be honest, I think this is better than I can fix at home. Whether it's blintzes or strawberry pancakes or ham and eggs or sausage and eggs, everything is absolutely excellent. And I don't have to do the dishes, and it makes me very happy not to have to do them. <laughs> at your international house of pancakes, IHOP, for many good reasons. News break, Monday, the 21st of June, 1976. Charles Osgood, CBS News. This is a NASA space note from the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. About July 4th, the first of two automated Viking spacecraft is to softly touch down on the surface of Mars. Among the wide range of surface investigations will be the search for evidence of past or present life. While several instruments aboard the landers will assist and support the life search, three experiments in particular will look directly for living organisms in the soil. Most biologists agree that if life is to be found on the red planet, the soil is the best place to begin looking for it. A sample of the Mars soil will be scooped up and deposited into a miniature biological laboratory aboard the Viking lander. The soil will be examined in three different ways in order to detect the presence of microorganisms. The existence or absence of life on the red planet could have profound effects on theories concerning the evolution of life right here on Earth. This has been a NASA Space Note. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... G. Marshall. To my surprise, I discovered that it was Lord Byron, in his famous poem, Don Juan, who first said, For truth is always strange, stranger than fiction. Others, I'm sure, have said it in their own ways. Edmund Burke, the great British statesman and orator, phrased it, Truth lags behind fiction. And Bob Ripley, the cartoonist, made a life work and a fortune out of this simple statement. The following story is fiction, but it is founded on a strange truth. That nice little lady, she couldn't commit a murder over a cat. Let me tell you something, Detective Trout. Most murders are committed by otherwise nice people. And motive... Sometimes all it takes is a hot night or a sneeze or the wrong words put together. Don't you ever forget it, Ms. Detective. The right time, the right place, the right circumstances. Anyone can commit homicide. Our mystery drama, Checkmate was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Robert Dryden and Marion Haley. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Well, sir, I see you're one of the many people who bought a new Buick Century. That's right. Boy, you want to talk about roomy and comfortable. Just take a look in there. Go ahead. But you have uh, you have curtains hanging in your car. Yes, and wallpaper, too. Well, why is that? Well, we like the Century so much, we decided to sell a house and uh, live in it. Huh. Well, doesn't that get just a little crowded? Oh, I suppose it might after a while, but uh, well, we aren't home that much. Oh. Yeah, we got a little Skyhawk up north. Buick, dedicated to the free spirit in just about everyone. 
Why is it everybody talks about air pollution, but nobody does anything about it? Are you kidding? We're doing something about it. We are? Sure, we're contributing to it. Oh. For example, burned any trash lately? Yeah. Well, that's a contribution. It is? Had your car tuned in the last year. No. There's another contribution. All right, how about you? What do you contribute? Well, listen, don't worry about me. I work for a power plant. So? I give it the office. Don't contribute to air pollution this year. We've already reached our quota. This reminder from your local lung association is a matter of life and breath. Electrical appliances are extremely useful time-saving aids. But without proper precautions, they can be instruments of destruction. In fact, government statistics show that 80% of all electrical appliance accidents are due to carelessness. Underwriters Laboratory's consumer safety expert, Janice Farr, says there's an easy way you can help avoid contributing to that 80%. That's right. I strongly recommend that you read and heed your appliance instruction booklets. Most booklets contain valuable safety tips, such as recommending that you unplug your portable appliance from the outlet when not in use, and that you not let the cord hang over the edge of a table or counter, or touch hot surfaces. And to be extra safe... It's a good idea to keep your instruction booklets in a convenient place for quick and easy reference. Remember, the instruction booklet is there, so why not use it? This has been a public service announcement from Underwriters Laboratories and this station. Detective Sergeant Digger Bowles of the 4th Precinct is looking forward to his approaching retirement from the force. In his nearly 30 years in the police department, over 20 of them as a plainclothes detective, he's been happy and proud in his work. But uh, he's a man of habit, and change irritates him more and more. Most of all, this new breed of officers... He doesn't particularly appreciate it when they come in a form that is anathema to him in the hallowed precincts of the station house. A fourth precinct, Detective Trout. Help! Help! I... I'm murdered! Well, hold it a minute. Uh, who are you? So... Fender. Address and phone number? Wait, was that a five or a nine? A five. I didn't get that last. Please. I'm on B. I can't. Mr. Fender. Uh. Mr. Fender. Are you all right? Hello? Where you got that, detective? The big one, Sergeant Foles. Homicide. Who says? The guy on the phone. What guy? Who? Saul Fender. He just got murdered. Who got murdered? Saul Fender, the man on the phone. The victim called up to say he was being murdered. No, that he just had been. I got the address. We'd better go over there right away. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean he's still on the phone? He was. He isn't anymore. Here, listen. Hello? Hello? Mr. Fender? Mr. Fender? You see, he was talking, and then I heard him fall, but he said he'd been murdered. I don't know, Trout. My feet are killing me. I just hope this isn't somebody's idea of a joke. All right, come on. Let's go see. Why don't you use the siren? Because I ain't no show-off. Besides, it makes too much noise. Disturbs people, including me. Yes, but it's important to get there. We'll get there. Fast. Just as fast. Well, how do you know? Because I've been driving this city just uh-huh. this way for, for 25 years, years and, and it's, it's always been... been good enough. Smart, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you know? You're just beginning. You think this is a game? No, I don't. I'm just enthusiastic about my job and I'd like to be good at it. Just like. Don't enthuse. You don't like me, do you, Digger? Did I say that? Well, you don't have to. You think I'm just a wet-behind-the-ears young punk. Don't tell me what I think, Detective Trout. Uh-huh, well, then you tell me. I think... I know you're a dame. That's all. And dames don't have any place in your thinking. Not on the force. Well, 
Not in homicide, anyway. <laughs> Why? Women get killed, too. Yeah, that's right. So maybe it's just lucky we're at the scene of the crime that's already been committed. All right, come on. Let's go play cop. Now, just let me get this straight, Miss... Uh... Apple-Bop. Oh, yeah. You say you're out walking your dog. Cat. Cat. Yeah. Cat. Walking a cat. Sure. <laughs> he likes his evening stroll, Marsters. What do you think? He looks like a dog, that cat? You see a leash, you figure a dog at the other end. <laughs> and you're a detective. Maybe I'm too busy looking at that weapon in your other hand. What's that for? Oh, this neighborhood. A person isn't safe even if it's still light. Nobody bothers me no more since I stuck a couple of them with this. What is it? It's a hat pin. Madam, that's a dangerous weapon. You have to tell me. Mrs. Apfelbaum, how come when we got here, you were with the dead man? He was the super. I, I had a complaint. Uh, and you usually just walk right into his apartment to complain? Listen, Miss Cop. Usually I can't even get him to answer the bell when all the things need fixing. Plumbing, heat, the cockroaches. And yesterday, even the toilets wouldn't flush. You don't like Mr. Fender? Anybody doesn't like cats. Can't be any good. God forgive me for saying that, and the poor man dead. He was dead when you came in. Just like you see him. What time was this? Oh, I guess a few minutes after nine. I, I got a watch, but I, I couldn't see without my glasses. How did you get in, Mrs. Applebaum? Well, I just turned the handle and the door opened. So anyone could have got in, huh? I guess, if they had the new key. What new key? Well, to the outside door. Well, we got a new lock. Burglar-proof, it's supposed to be. <laughs> I'd still like to see the day. Well, how many people have keys to the outside lock? Oh, just the people in the building. Unless they had copies made. Oh, first off, you can't. You've got to send to the company. And second, we all just got them this morning. Who's all? I mean, who else is in the building? Oh, well, you see, there's that dryser person on the first floor back. Me, second floor front. And Miss Dimby, second back. And the doctor on third floor back. The doctor? Oh, that's what we all call Mr. Porter. Oh, is he smart? He plays chess with eight, ten people at a time and wins from them all. He's right in the window there at, at Boardwalk and 52nd Street. He, he does what? Yeah, I know where she means. It's an amusement palace. Pinball machine, skeet ball, shooting gallery, and Professor Porter, the human chess machine. You pay to play him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mrs. Applebaum. Yes, honey. Uh, there are six apartments in this building. Who occupies the other two? Well, the, the first floor front is Mr. Kelly with the birds. Uh, he had to go back in the hospital again, so I'm caring for them. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But what about the sixth one? Oh, that, that's Mr. Brilliantine. Brilliantine? You know him? Lance Brilliantine. He, he's an actor person. What does he do? Hair commercials? Oh, no, no, no. He's with the children's theater now. They, they do fairy stories. And he just flew up to Boston, and he's looking to sublet. He has the whole top floor through. That's nice. A little nest in the treetops. Well, thanks, Mrs. Applebaum. You go on up to your apartment and stick around. We might want to question you again. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. But uh, what about poor Mr. Fender? He ain't going anywhere either. Yeah, but sh shouldn't he have a doctor? The only one he'll need is a medical examiner. Oh. How he died, that's up to the M.E. Now, you run along, huh? Oh, yes, of course, Sergeant. Hey, hey, what's that thing? My hat pin? Oh, don't worry. I know how to handle this. Ah, oh, come along, Morris. Just don't look at Mr. Fender like that. Yes, I know you didn't like him because he was so nasty to you. But you have the last laugh because you have nine lives and he only had one. Think she could have done it? Done what? The murder. What murder? All we know is we got a guy who's dead. Oh, but he said on the phone. Who said? You don't even know if it was Fender's voice you heard. Or if it was that he was telling the truth. Now, look. Let's wait till we have a case before we get all head up. Yes, Dicker, but if he wasn't murdered, then how could... Maybe he had a stroke or a heart attack. Maybe he was some kind of a nut. Hey, hey Detective Trout. 
don't touch that body till the doc checks him out. You want to do something? Here. What? Chalk. Draw a picture of the way he's laying. Then let's you and me take a look-see if anything else is disturbed besides the late Mr. Fenton. Okay, Detective Trout, start her up. Where are we going? Back to the precinct. Uh, what about the homicide? Well, a guy died, that's all. Of what? Doc says a brain hemorrhage. But what caused it? He doesn't know. At least till an autopsy. Probably natural causes. I don't believe it. The man said on the telephone... Look, that... do me a favor, will you? Leave it lay. We got nothing to go on. No evidence of forcible entry. No evidence of robbery. Look at all the dough he had in the desk drawer. We could have checked out the other people in the house. I did that. Nobody home. Or at least not answering their bell. All right, come on, come on. Now, let's move it. You could tell by his face. What? His face. Mr. Fender's face. His eyes wide open like they were accusing whoever it was. I wonder how he was killed. Maybe somebody said boo to him too loud and frightened him to death. It isn't funny. No. Now, what is funny is a rookie detective who can't forget she's a woman. And has to get big romantic notions of first case is murder one instead of some poor old geezer scared to death of dying but having to do it anyway. Now, come on. Let's not go looking for trouble, detective. You're going to find out plenty of it gets handed to us for free. I'm sorry, Sergeant. Ah, oh, don't mind me, kid. Doesn't matter how many times you look at one. I still don't like to see no one dead. Did... Did the doctor say anything about the mark on his eyelid? What? What mark on what? His eyes were open. How could you see a mark on the lid? It was creepy. The way he was staring and I tried to close his eyes. I just started to pull down the right eyelid. Then you wouldn't let me touch him and there was a little mark there. What kind of mark? Well, just a little red mark, like, uh, well, maybe somebody, something, bit him. I don't know, he jabbed a pencil by mistake, or, or I don't know, something sharp. Maybe like, uh, you know, when you get a penicillin shot from the doctor. All right, take the next left, Trout, and hit that gas pedal. And turn on the siren, too. Where are we going? The hospital. I want to have a talk with that doctor fast. Needle, huh? Well, you're... Wait, you're, you're not thinking of Mrs. Applebaum's hat pin. What else? Oh, that nice little lady for what? A quarrel about heat or the plumbing or a, a cat? Let me tell you something, detective. Most murders are committed by nice people who just flip a screw suddenly and go berserk. Sometimes all it takes is a hot night or a sneeze or the wrong words put together. No, I mean, Miss Detective, the right time, the right place, the right circumstances, anyone can commit homicide. So you do think this is a homicide after all? I don't know, Trout. Well, let the doctor tell us that. The unmarked car hurtles through the city streets, traffic clearing for its wailing siren. In the passenger seat... Sergeant Digger Bowles is no longer relaxed, but sits forward as though driving himself. Beside him, Detective Marion Trout is tense and more than a little scared at the reaction to what her observant eyes have seen. I shall return shortly with Act Two. There's a season coming up, there's a reason coming up to get ready for a better taste of life. season coming up. Remember this. The Miromatic Aluminum Pressure Canner lets you can all kinds of food safely. And the Miromatic Pressure Canner is the only one that comes in seven sizes from two and a half to 22 quart. One is right for your family. And only the Miromatic Pressure Canner has an unbreakable one-piece control with three pressure settings. So the Miromatic you use for canning is also a versatile pressure cooker. Use it year-round to make tasty meals in one-third the time of conventional 
several methods. The Miromatic Cooker Canner to get ready for a better taste of life. Miromatic helps you do it right. Wheels are ever spinning. Shining spokes are catching sun. There are people seeking nature, seeking health and seeking fun. Last year, over 15 million new bicycles were sold in the United States, and over 70 million are now in use. Studies show that the leading causes of bicycle accidents are loss of control, mechanical and structural problems, and the entanglement of foreign objects in the wheels. So, make sure your bicycle meets the new safety standard. So cycle of America, a craftsman of being told, there's a life that is riding on every bike that's sold. For more information, write Bicycles, Washington, D.C., 20207, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. many of us, death, the inevitable last rite, is a feast or sorrowing already arranged. But for countless others, it is the accident which was never expected, and there is nothing tidy about closing the house of life. Saul Fender, who was he? What was he? Who is left to mourn him? And most of all, how did he come to die? While Sergeant Digger Bowles and Detective Marion Trout wait at the hospital for the M.E.'s report, some of this is resolved. Where have you been, Sergeant? The autopsy room, waiting for results. Nothing yet. What do you dig up? Less sketchy, just a sort of outline. Draw it for me. Okay, Saul Fender was 67. No relatives, retired on Social Security. He got the basement apartment in return for servicing the building. His wife died a few years ago, and after that, I gather he didn't care too much about anything. He kind of died with her. Did he gamble? No sign of it. Other women? Oh, come on. He was a sad little man all alone. He kept to himself, minded his own business, and like the old story, never did anyone no harm. Maybe. All right, the deceased is on the autopsy table. I got nothing to say until... All right, I'll take it. I said I'd be at this extension. Hello. Yeah, this is Detective Sergeant Bowles. Who's this? Oh, Dr. Baker. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, I see. Okay. I'll take it from here. So? So, score one for youth and an eagle eye. You got the makings of a detective. Maybe I was lucky I had you alone. Well, uh, the mark on his eyelid. Yeah. Somebody shoved something really skinny and sharp right through his eye socket and into his brain. That's what caused the hemorrhage and his death. So it was murder. That's about the size of it. Mm. You got your case after all. No, I have. I'm not sure I wanted that nice little old lady. Mrs. Applebaum? Yes. We still got to build something that'll hold up in court. Where do we start? Uh, it's after midnight. I'll have the house staked out tonight, just in case. We start early in the morning. Okay, Trout, here we are. Scene of the crime. Everybody out. Okay. Where do we start, Sergeant? We're going to face Mrs. Applebaum first. Nope. We'll check out all the other suspects. The patrol car phoned in. They're all home. But first, we'll have a look at Fender's apartment. What for? That's what we're going to be looking to find out. Find anything here in the bedroom, detective? No, Sergeant. You find out anything. Yeah, a couple of things. I counted that money. $295. A lot of cash to have hanging around. Well, it makes some people feel secure. I mean, like to have cash on hand. Yeah. Two bank books, over 1,200 in one, 10,000 in the other. 
What's in the cigar box? Have a look. Smell. Mmm. Grass. Marijuana. Good stuff. Well, you think he was a dealer? Grass, money, they go together, don't they? Oh, not necessarily. The entries in the big bank book are all years old. The money's been there since the year one, just gathering interest. Uh Uh-huh, and the new bank book. Chicken feed. A buyer, maybe. Not a seller. But I got a notion where this grass came from. Where? Yeah, this is his rent book. A character named Dreiser. You remember Mrs. Applebaum called him a person? The first floor back. Yeah, check. He was always behind in his rent, it seems. Sometimes the old boy carried him for two, three months. Why? He was the supplier? Or is that jumping to conclusions? That ain't jumping. That's just plain adding up two and two. Tell you what. Let's you and me go pay a visit to the first floor back. Mr. Dreiser? Mr. Dreiser? Open up. Police. Hey, man, what goes with all the loud jive? I mean, like you're breaking my head. Are you, Mr. Dreiser? Ooh, I am the one. Detective Sergeant Balls. This is my sidekick, Detective Trout. Real nice. Solid. The mama and the papa. What can old slats do for you? I'd like to ask you a few questions, Mr. Dreiser. Can we come in? Well, sure. Come on in. I'm clean. Uh, just a little stretched out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got some coffee moving. You use some for what ails you? We haven't got anything that ails us. Oh, then you're lucky. You got it made, mamas and papas. Slats here, he's just cutting it. I mean, like just. Excuse me. Stoned. To the gills. And something a lot stronger than grass. You know it. I stay one side of him, be ready for anything. I guess you know what happened here last night, Mr. Dreiser. Oh, man. Is that hot? Last night? Uh Uh-huh. To the superintendent. You know he's dead. He's what? Dead. How? Well, we're trying to find out. Well, don't look at me, man. I wasn't even here last night. Where were you? Well, now, that's no question for a doll to ask. I mean, you got to protect your own doll, right? Uh, Mr. Slatter, are you trying to say you were with a woman? Ah, crazy. You named it. You want to give us her name? Why? Fender didn't just die. Someone killed him. Oh, wow. You're, you're not looking at me. You were behind in your rent. Well, I was, but I paid up last night. What time? Well, just like before seven on my way out. Didn't show in his rent book. It was cash on the line, 295 bucks. Here, I got his receipt right here. Huh? That's uh, a receipt, all right. But for what? I don't dig it. What was passing between you two besides grass? Any hard stuff? Hard stuff? What are you talking about, man? Junk? Yeah. Are you buying from Fender? Well, I'm no user. Well, what do you do? Push it? Sister, lay back. No call to come on so hard. I'm clean. Where were you last night around nine o'clock? Well, like I said, with, with my old woman. What's her name? No, I wouldn't want to get her mixed up in nothing. Hey, what are you doing, Fuzz? Get out of that drawer. Hold it. Now you hold it. Don't you touch nothing of mine. There's one little item in here I wouldn't think of touching except to pick it up with my handkerchief. Do you mind if I borrow your ice pick? What do you want it for? I want to take it down to the morgue and see if it fits the hole above Saul Fender's eye where somebody drove something real sharp like this right into his brain. What? That's the way he died. Around nine o'clock last night. Now... You still want to clam up about where you were then? Man, I keep broadcasting. I couldn't have been here. How come? Because I was in Mount Pleasant then, 50 miles from here. Prove it. Come on, what kind of a roust is this? You ain't going to make me take no fall for some murder rap. No, let's look at it this way, punk. Now, now, don't tell me you haven't done time. I dig deep enough, I'll tie you into junk peddling. So the old man found out was going to throw you out or turn you over to the cops and you were on a trip 
and used this on it. No, no, I didn't. This ain't no ordinary ice pick. It's sharp as a needle. And what do you need it for with an electric refrigerator? This is a weapon, and you know it. Okay. Okay. I ain't standing still for being railroaded on no murder rap. I take a four, it's going to be for one to five. Not the whole bundle. There's a pump jockey in Mount Pleasant will remember me and get me off the hook. Why is that? Because I hit his gas station last night. At nine o'clock, he was backing off from that ice pick 50 miles from here. Okay. Put your wrist behind your back. That's it. How come you... You had a pick on me for handing Fender his ticket. Well, you seem the only one who might have a motive. You kidding? What about all the others? Well, what about him? Well, I old Professor Porter up there. Him and Fender used to be such great buddies. But last night, just as I was cutting out, he, he come on like a like a sore boil about something. When I left here, there was some kind of a brinigan going on. That was before seven. So how do you know where he was at nine? We'll check it out. An old lonely heart's dimby. There's a babe who's so hot for anything in pants, she even made a few passes at Fender. <laughs> and man, when he brushed her off, she was ready to totle him. And how about Mother Applebaum, huh? I mean, like, she may look like Whistler's old lady, but there's one tough little cookie. Her and that hat pin of hers. What would she have against Mr. Fender? Babes, he hated cats. I mean, like, they turned them off all the way. And anybody don't like her means you old cat is marked right off her books. Let me tell you. Okay, okay, that's it. Move. We'll check them all out. Don't worry. Well, too bad it couldn't have been him. Hey there, babes. Cool it. Now you cool it. You're lucky you're just a two-bit crook. It just may save your life. run the stone head back to the precinct while you check out Miss Dimby. You think he can handle it? Well, a dried up sex star, Fordish, would be sex kitten. I'll be a lot safer than you would. You can have her. I'll take the professor as soon as I get back, then we'll compare notes. I hope it turns out to be one of them. Why? Well, I like old Mrs. Applebaum. I don't want it to be her. Listen, detective. First thing you got to learn in this job is don't form any attachments. And the second is, don't kid yourself there's any romance. And forget all about the books, the movies, and the TV shows. The way it is in real life, 99 chances out of 100, the perpetrator is the obvious one. Which means Mrs. Applebaum. Which means Mrs. Applebaum. to be a very large or unexpected miracle to get Mrs. Apfelbaum off the hook, as Detective Marion Trout is due to find out when both her other suspects turn up with airtight alibis. And yet, uh, but that will have to remain till I return shortly with the third act. Pick up a pickup. Pick it up and take it home. Pickups. A rotary-powered air condition is from Fetters. Just as powerful as ordinary units, but lighter and smaller. So you can take it home and put it in the window, close the sash and plug it in, move it to the bedroom, take it on vacation. One little pickup, one little pickup, one little Fetters may be all you need. Pick up a pickup at your Fetters dealer today. Here we are talking with one of the thousands and thousands of people who bought a Buick this year. This is a Skylark, right? That's right. Pretty, huh? Indeed it is. You want to sit in it? I'll let you for a buck and a quarter. Do you charge to let people sit in your Skylark? Oh, this is a very nice car. Look, I figure when word gets out, people will be lined up for blocks. Hey, you want to honk the horn? Give me a dime. Listen, sir, Buick dealers let people do this for free. They do? Yeah. Well, I think they're missing a good bet. Buick, dedicated to the free spirit in just about everyone. Somewhere a teenage girl in the school for the retarded doesn't remember what her parents look like. And somewhere a great-grandmother in a nursing home doesn't even bother to celebrate her 85th birthday. Now, multiply these people by many millions and you've become aware of the problem. And the problem is loneliness. Let me tell you about a new public service program called Voiceagram. The heart of the program is an exchange of tape-recorded messages between the patients and their families and friends. 
actor Cliff Roberts and Harold Russell, chairman of the President's Committee for the Handicapped, and myself are lending their support on a nationwide basis. But to make it work, we need sympathetic volunteers who will visit patients and talk to them while their words are taped for their loved ones to hear and respond. Just give a little bit of your time and a lot of caring and just write to Voiceogram. Box 127, Coscob, Connecticut, 06807. Right at this moment, Marion Trout is almost regretting her transfer to the detective bureau. As a uniformed policewoman, she has faced death before, but then it was impersonal, not something she had to become involved in. A murder investigation, she is finding, is different. Now, she herself is committed to hunting down a murderer that might be a bright, attractive old lady to whom she has taken a liking. But in spite of Sergeant Bowles' conviction, she doesn't have to face that yet. For the moment, her quarry is Miss Dimby. Who is it? Uh, sorry to bother you, Miss Dimby. I- I'm a police officer. Oh, dear. Oh, dear me, you, you don't look like a police officer. Well, I should have said detective. My shield and identification. Oh, I... I, I don't know what to say. You haven't heard about your superintendent? Oh, you, you mean about his heart attack? Mm. Oh, yes. So so sad. So sudden. It was a terrible shock. I, I felt so guilty about my, my feeling of relief for the moment before I... Oh, well, per- perhaps you should come in. Thank you. Yes. Such a, a dreadful, dreadful shock. Mm. What did you mean... Feeling of relief. Oh, well, I, I never should have mentioned it. it. It's just that it's so difficult for a, a young single girl to to be in a house that's practically infested by men. Mm. One gets a little tired of, you know, being pestered. Particularly the older men. Although Mr. Fender was very sweet, but he was persistent. Oh, well, one must speak well of the dead. Mm. Won't you step into my parlor? Oh, thank you, Miss Denby. Oh, please, sit down. Oh, you, you don't mind if I go on with my knitting, do you? No. Not at all. Oh. Well, I, uh, I have so many bows, you know, men in my life. Huh. So many favors to return, and I, I am not well to do, so I, I knit them scarves or... Oh, gloves. Hmm. Did you know that Mr. Fender was murdered? Oh. Murdered? Oh, but, uh, but uh, how? Well, he was stabbed in the eye. Oh. Something very sharp was driven into his brain. How dreadful. What, what, what sort of thing? Well, something like a skewer or an ice pick or a knitting needle. Miss Dimby, where were you last night between 8.30 and 9.30? Oh, why, I, 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 I was at a moving picture show. Ah, well, what did you see? Oh, why, it, oh, it was lovely. Mm. So, so artistic and, and cultural. The, uh, that exquisite production by the great Spanish director, Mikael Lugano, La Paloma. Had you seen it? Oh, no, what theater? Oh, the, the fine art. Oh, that beautiful little theater on the southwest uh, corner of Broadwalk and 24. Yes, that's the one. Yes, well, then you couldn't have been here anywhere near 9 o'clock. Oh, heavens, no. Well, in that case, there's no need to ask you any more questions. No, 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 no. Don't bother. I'll let myself out. Oh, well, uh, you're sure that's quite uh, uh, satisfactory? I'm sure, Miss Dimby. You gave me just what I need. Sergeant. Damn, Professor slipped out on me. What is it? You don't have to look any further. I've got her. Who? The murderer. The Dimby Dame? She gave me an alibi. That she was at a movie at the Fine Arts Theater at Boardwalk and 24th last night. I trapped her with the address and get this. She's admitting not 
I don't follow. Now, listen, there's no fine arts theater at that address. It's just a hole in the ground for a new building and knitting needles. A steel knitting needle. Wouldn't that be a perfect weapon for a sex-starved old maid to use against a guy who maybe turned her down? Oh, a police person? Miss Detective? Yes. Could I see you a moment, please? Go ahead. I'll go with you. Oh, I'd rather... See the lady alone, please. I think I'd better come along. Oh, dear. Well, all right. Come come in, please. I, I, I'm afraid I have a confession to make. Well, you see, Sergeant. I, I lied to you earlier about being at the fine arts. You weren't at the movies? Oh, yes. I was at the movies, but not... Not at the one I said I was. Yes, well, then where were you? Well, I... Surely a matter of one, might say, morally outraged uh, curiosity, I had gone to to see a perfectly dreadful and vile thing called uh, the story of W. Oh, I can see why you might have wanted to keep that a secret. That their story of W, detective, is X-rated. It's what you call your hardcore pornography. You've got to be kidding. Well, what's the difference, Dimby, what you saw? Unless you could prove you were there. Oh, I... I can prove I was at the one. Oh. Well, the... uh, The manager knows me. It's a little embarrassing going right up to the... Well, he... He he lets me in quietly. And how long were you at this movie? From 7 to 11 o'clock, I... I'm afraid I... I sat through it twice. Glad you enjoyed it. Oh, you... You needn't look down your nose at me. And instead of harassing me with your... Your police brutality, you should be after the real culprit. Yes, and who's that? The almighty professor. Oh, Oh, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Always the gentleman. (laughs) You should have heard him and Mr. Pender going at it. Hammer and tongs as I did when I left for the... uh, when I went out. And something else. Ah, uh, what was that, ma'am? Well, the door was open as I passed, and I... I saw him hit Mr. Fender over the head. With what, Miss Dimby? With his umbrella. But if you look at this umbrella, you can see he must have hit him pretty hard. Some of the ribs are broken. Well, first of all... We don't know it's his umbrella. She said she saw him throw it out this morning. She says. Anyway, so what? There wasn't a mark on Fender's head. How can you hurt anyone with a light umbrella? And anyways, the time is all wrong. Yeah, well, maybe he came back. Well, here's the amusement center. That's what I intend to find out now. Uh, Professor Porter. Morning. You want to play one dollar a game unless you win, and then I pay you two. Take board number seven and choose white or black. Excuse me, I I don't want to play. I want to talk to you. My credentials. Police. We can go over here by the weight machine. It's the quietest place in the house. Very well, uh, Sergeant. You, You have exactly one minute. I gather you were a friend of Saul Fender's. Saul, yes, yes. We played chess together, and why? When was the last time you saw him? About 6.30 last night, when I went home for dinner before I returned here. What time did you return to work? It was sometime before 7. And you got home at 11.30? That's right. How did Between you... those hours, you were sitting at your usual place in the window playing chess. Except for traveling to and from. Yes. What happened to Saul? He was murdered. What? What You you don't think I had anything to do with it? Not if you were here at nine o'clock, no. You're out of it if you're telling the truth. And don't worry. I intend to make sure that's just what you're telling. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, what did the lab say? No trace of blood on the hat pin. 
Well, that don't mean nothing. That could have been washed off. Uh, then you're going to arrest her? I don't know. We got motive, opportunity, means, but... Eh, ain't much of a case. No witnesses, no proof they quarreled. Yes, and yet we know Professor Porter did. What's the difference? That was two hours earlier, and he... What is it? I just thought of something. Who usually establishes the time of death? Well, the medical examiner or whatever doctor they send over. Only this time he didn't. We told him because of the phone call. But supposing by that time he was already dying and was only beginning to realize it. What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm going to get Doc Prouty at the hospital and maybe he can explain it to me. It's all right, Mr. Porter. Come on in. We've been waiting for you. You're that policeman who came to see me. Who is this woman? This is Detective Trout. What you're doing here? Well, we want to ask you some questions. Yes, Mrs. Approbaum is quite correct. I did quarrel with my poor friend Saul. We had a terrible one. And you did hit him? I'm ashamed to say I did. I hit him over the head. With your umbrella? Yes, but the provocation was very great. I ask you to imagine. My life is not much, but I have my pride. I could have been one of the greats. A Spassky, a Bobby Fisher. But I was never given the chance. Instead, I work in a window, playing with fools who have no hope of beating me goggled at by idiots from the street as if I were in a cage at the zoo. But when Saul came to the house, he was lonely. He had no companions. I taught him to play chess. I played with him to amuse him. I even showed him the unbeatable reply to the Museo Gambit, a secret only I know. And you know how he repaid me? Yesterday, knowing I was sick and not myself... When I had ten games going, he came, he, the pupil to the master, and used my own trick to defeat me in the goldfish bowl. He shamed me in front of all the world. I was mad enough to kill him. I'm afraid that's just what you did. What? Is this the umbrella you hit him with? What he, yes, yes, that's my umbrella. I threw it away because some of the ribs got broken. But that... Well, a, a, a little hit on the head from a light umbrella couldn't have killed him. If only it did. One of these broken ribs jabbed straight into the hollow of his eye and right into his brain. Oh, no. No. I never meant... But wait a minute... You said he was alive at nine o'clock. We quarreled at least two hours before that. Sometimes it takes time for a man to die. The doctors tell us that the hemorrhage caused by the wound could easily have taken two hours to cause his final death. Good Lord. I... I suppose you're going to arrest me. The charge will be manslaughter. But we'll have to arrest you. But I don't care about the charge. I'm only sick to my soul that I, I could have caused another human being's death. I think I shall have a better judge and a punishment to fit the crime. Mr. Porter, are you all right? No, my dear. I'm very far from all right. It's my heart. There are some pills in... Oh, no. Which pocket, sir? It... It doesn't really matter. It's better this way. The end game is played out. This time it's... Checkmate. And I'm the loser. Some time ago, outside a New York bar, two men got into a fight... One of them lashed out at the other with an umbrella. 
After the fight was stopped, the man who had been hit by the umbrella continued on his night out. And it wasn't until he returned home some two hours later that he collapsed and died. Truth, as I said in the beginning, is stranger than fiction, except when it is borrowed to make a good story. I'll be back shortly. You may feel it's an embarrassing subject, but since one out of every three people suffers hemorrhoid symptoms at some time, you should know about Preparation H. Preparation H gives prompt, temporary relief from occasional pain and itch in many cases. But Preparation H does more. Actually helps shrink swelling of hemorrhoidal tissues caused by inflammation. With so many having the problem, it's comforting to know that Preparation H helps shrink swelling of hemorrhoidal tissues. Ointment or suppositories. Use only as directed. Fred, you're taking our gardening tools to the library? Right. Gets me in the mood. Gets you in the mood. Uh Uh-huh. You see, dear, the library now has a lot of new services, and today I'm going to plan our garden. Uh Uh-huh. So you're taking our rake and shovel. Right. At the library, you can now attend a concert, see a puppet show, even borrow a classic film. Do they have belly dancing lessons at the library? How did you know? Maybe it's because you're wearing that jewel in your navel. Oh, yeah. The library. Come see what's new. Besides books. Put your shirt back on, Fred. I mean, the world's not ready for your tummy. A public service message from the American Library Association. Takes more than a clever chef's hat and apron to make a cookout a success. What's needed is the kind of start-to-finish know-how supplied by the current Family Circle magazine's Guide to Foolproof Barbecuing. Gives you everything from how to gauge the temperature of your fire to how to smoke meats, even without a cover. And the recipes are anything but run-of-the-grill. Texas ribs, lamb kebab, orange peanut pork roast. For indoor cooking... Family Circle samples the diversities of the American cuisine with the treasury of ethnic foods. Greek spinach pie, African hot soup, Portuguese bread, to mention but a few. The July Family Circle cover features an embroidery of summer flowers for which directions are inside. Incidentally, did you know that last month's issue contained more than $2.40 worth of national brand coupons? Added value from Family Circle, the world's largest selling woman's magazine. Just 39 cents at your supermarket checkout counter. This is Jack Sterling. I suppose the motives for the crime of homicide are countless. Some of them are as unspeakable and as savage as the crime itself. But the most macabre and terrible thing about it is that by far the most of them are so small and unreasonable, except to the people involved. How few of them are as neatly solved and resolved in the words of Genesis, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Our cast included Marion Haley, Robert Dryden, Court Benson, and Bryna Rayburn. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Safety Commission has issued a new safety standard for bicycles. A bike with coaster brakes must be able to stop in 15 feet from a speed of 10 miles per hour. A 10-speed bike with hand brakes must be able to stop in 15 feet from a speed of 15 miles per hour. Brake performance is one of many safety rules. So cycle of America, a craftsman of being told, there's a life that is riding. On every bike that's old. For more information, write Bicycles, Washington, D.C., 20207. This message brought to you by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. For more than two years now, people have been trying to get you to slow down to 55 miles an hour. Down to the speed limit. 
They've told you that slowing down will save millions of gallons of gasoline. They've told you that slowing down saves thousands of lives. And they've got the figures to prove it. I think those are pretty good reasons. Some of you obviously do, too, because some of you have slowed down. But an awful lot of people, for one reason or another, haven't. They seem to think the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit is something they can take or leave. It isn't. It's a law. With tickets and fines and all the rest, just like any other law. And I should know. I'm a police officer. From where I sit, there's just no way around it. The 55-mile-an-hour speed limit can do a lot of positive things. And it's my job to make sure it gets a chance to work. Not just because it's a good idea, but because it's the law. A public service of this station, the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Advertising Council. WFAA, Dallas, Fort Worth. CBS News. Japanese police have arrested three executives of all Nippon Airways in connection with the Lockheed aircraft bribe scandal. I'm Mike Stanley reporting on the CBS Radio Network.